What's up, Jets fans, and welcome to another edition of Jet Nation Live, second for the night for me. We are your hosts, Dylan Terriman, and not Glenn tonight. I had him earlier. Now I have Chris Schubert. Chris, how are we doing tonight? Missed you last week. Yeah, sorry about that. Had a little bit of an incident that I needed to take care of, but we are back. We are ready to, to move forward with our summer ranking series. It, very boring week in Jetsland. Nothing has occurred. Nothing has happened. There's nothing to talk about on the show tonight. No, nothing at all. Nothing. We, I said it last week. There is no ranking show without Chris Schubert, so I had to put it on hold for one week. We are technically behind schedule, but we're going to get it all in. We're just going to be one week after the Hall of Fame game. We'll finish it all up, but we'll have our 53-man prediction two weeks approximately before the cutdown date, which was the goal all along was to get all these rankings in to get the final rankings of the entire roster in before the 53-man cut down so that we can see who's better at predicting the roster, me or you. Um, we're not going to get into the the big news just yet because I think Chris has to issue an apology to uh, me about Denzel Mims. Uh, the last time we were on a show, we, we talked about the playmakers, and I said Denzel Mims would not be on this roster, and uh, Jason Brownlee would beat him out, and uh, – Chris, your thoughts. So it was so funny because I messaged you last week because the tentative plan was I was supposed to be on the show last week. We had yep. we had something go on last minute that I needed to take care of. I had joked with you earlier in the day, like, I'm going to have to start the show with a public apology because I just was so adamant that Denzel Mims was going to make the team because they were just constantly giving him chance after chance after chance. So, yes, this is my public apology to you, Dylan, and to all of you out there uh, in Jetsland who, who told me, no, it's not going to be Denzel Mims. He's not going to make the team. And, I, you know, I've got I have a lot of predictions. I've got the Michael Carter thing with Zonovan Knight that I've got out there. I had the Denzel Mims thing. I didn't expect it to take this quickly for me to be wrong about something like I give me a little bit of time before I'm wrong. Give me a little bit of a runway. Uh, but no, I'm 0 for 1 so far here in the offseason uh, for roster prediction. So I will not have a full perfect 53 because I had Denzel Mims on there and he's not going to make it. So I can only go 52 out of 53 now. And, and as much as I do appreciate the apology, I can't say that I'm clean in this either. I said Brownlee's probably not going to make the roster and they're only going to carry five wide receivers. So that's still a mystery. Maybe they do carry six with Cobb and then Brownlee sticking on as wide receiver six, but he's been playing well. So I'm glad every to camp, see. Every, every day it can't be here about him doing something. So it's one of those things where it's like he might be able to sneak in there as the sixth guy. We'll see if he's able to contribute on special teams. That might be his path. Exactly. And uh, for any of those, uh, those of you listening that might have missed it, Glenn and I got on here earlier about five hours ago. And we were able to chop it up for about 45 minutes about the camp updates because Chris and I are going to be focusing on the summer ranking series mostly. So Glenn and I were able to go and do that. So you can follow the Jet Nation YouTube channel. You can find the video there. It's about 45 minutes, about five or six hours ago from this recording. So we're going to get into some of the news. Obviously, there's some non-offensive line news to get into tonight. Um just wanted to get your thoughts, one, on the Rodgers restructure. He's going to make a ton less money than we thought, $35 million haircut on his contract. So what are your thoughts on the Rodgers deal and, and what that means for the team moving forward? Yeah, I got. I have a lot of thoughts. So hopefully I can keep these concise and, and keep us on track. One, it makes a ton of sense, right, for Rodgers. He has done everything uh, up to this point correctly, right? The way he handled the trade, the way he handled coming here, the way he handled being with the media, the way he handled being at OTAs, everything he said when speaking with the media, everything so far has been handled with A-plus uh, grades. The contract adding to that ledger, adding to that um, great start that he's had here to New York is no surprise because I think he looks at it and say, I'm going to give up 30-something million dollars right now 
but I can probably make that money down the road with things if I continue to ingratiate myself with this fan base in this market, uh, and, and this will pay dividends down the road. So great, smart business decision by him because it it ingratiates him to his teammates. I think it's going to make his teammates want to play harder for him because he's he's showing to them, right? I'm bought in. I just gave up $34 million so that we can continue to build a winner, not just for this year, but for two years. Because that contract is structured in a way where he's playing next season. Unless they win a Super Bowl and he tries to ride off into the sunset, they're playing next season. Now, I will say this, that for all the people who pointed out the fact that, oh, he's taking, he's t- he's taking the Tom Brady approach, right? He's, he's taking less money so that they can build a winner, that, that they can go out and pitch to other veterans to want to come here and play. I get the overall point you're making, but that doesn't necessarily work right now. You have to have an established culture of winning in addition to being able to point to a guy like Aaron Rodgers who's given up money and say, this is what you want to be a part of. The Jets are still an unknown in terms of what they're going to be in 2023. So to me, the dividends that will be paid off here for the idea that Rodgers took less money, I think really pay dividends in 2024. And it's a catch-22 for the Jets because they will then have already been a winner and have had success. And then it's easy to make the sales pitch and the money doesn't really matter that Rodgers gave it up. Or they didn't play all that great and you wonder if people are going to want to sign up, up. So that's the that's the thing that I would push back on there is that I don't know if this is really going to all of a sudden wow a bunch of free agents. And they're going to be like, oh, I'll take less to come play with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. There's still that cloud hanging over this team of how good are they truly going to be? And so I think that only gets answered by their play in 2023. So the fact that he gave up the money, I don't know if it necessarily facilitates anything for this season. Yeah, I think all the things that have happened on the offseason timeline for the Jets, including this restructure, just kind of prove everything that you're saying and that they've talked the talk all summer long, but until they actually start putting W's on the, the record, they can't walk the walk. And free agents, yes, this is an attractive spot compared to one, two, three seasons prior, but it doesn't really mean anything until you actually get the wins. And I think as the wins come, those names will become bigger and bigger star names like the Devontae sure. Adams of the world. Can I can I jump in because there's there's a there's Absolutely. a player that I'm gonna make I'm gonna make the parallel here. The Jets are bringing in Dalvin Cook for a visit this week, right? Yep. I don't sit up here and think that Dalvin Cook is gonna take less money than what he was originally asking for now to play with Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers took a pay cut, right? Mm-hmm. It just now the money freed up means the Jets can afford to pay Dalvin Cook what he's asking for. But this right. idea that players are gonna all of a sudden take massive haircuts in line with Aaron Rodgers to be able to build the super team, I don't think we're there yet. I think that we're that's putting the cart in front of the horse. The 2023 season has to play out. I think if Dalvin Cook comes to the New York Jets and he's visiting apparently with them all weekend, it is going to be because there was 33.7 or whatever the number is, million dollars that just recently got found and the Jets can afford to give Dalvin Cook the contract that he might be asking for because now they know what their cap number is for the next two seasons. Exactly. It certainly is that exact what you said. It's going to be another one or two million squeaked into the deal that was freed up from Aaron Rodgers. I never thought it was, a, oh, Aaron Rodgers is taking the deal now. Everybody's going to take right, a Dalvin deal. Cook's I not think. taking the league minimum now to join up and play with Aaron Rodgers now after no. this. That's not how this works. No. And, and, you know, maybe they do up their offer by one or two million. Um, I believe it was Craig Carton who broke the news of the visit originally uh he said that they're about one or one maybe two million off i think that's what the tweet said so if they are that close in negotiations they could easily find that middle ground based on that added money that they just got from Aaron Rodgers. but yeah i think dalvin cook should be uh not let out of the building to go see the patriots on his visit without a contract offer from the jets in in paper so he doesn't necessarily have to sign it but if they leave without an offer i feel like that's kind of treading murky waters 
Yep. Um, we do have a comment from KD. This was the last bullet point before we get into the offensive line. Do you guys have any thoughts on the Peyton comments? Glenn and I gave our thoughts earlier. Um, Salah didn't really have much to say. He did say on the Michael K show, uh, you expect more from people. And I think that's kind of the sentiment that I'm going to give right here is that Sean Payton's been around the league long enough that you don't really just like take shots at other coaches. And it seemed like from Ben Albright's tweet that people in the Broncos organization in their building are not very happy. They were a bit surprised and taken aback from his comments. So, I mean, you can, you can say what you want about the jets. And I think it's a lot of false narratives, especially the hard knocks thing, which is just completely fabricated, but you'd expect that from somebody that worked at Fox in the media or at any media outlet prior, but not an NFL coach. So that was kind of the extent of my bit there. I, I'm not going to allow Sean Payton's comments to impact any of my thoughts for the 2023 season. I will say this though, the Jets traded for Aaron Rodgers. They're being talked about fair or unfair, whether they're not, whether or not they put the expectations on themselves, they are being discussed in the elite tier of the AFC and being talked about as a Super Bowl contender as a team that has missed the playoffs for 12 consecutive seasons, has the longest active drought uh, among the four professional major sports uh, in terms of not making the playoffs. So, yeah, when you go from when you have that as the backdrop and you're being talked about as a Super Bowl favorite, guess what? Comments like that are going to come from all over the place. You just got to let them roll off your back. And that's what Robert Sala did today when he addressed the media with it, handled them perfectly. And guess what? Beautiful thing about this game is Sean Payton can make those comments about Nathaniel Hackett. These two teams play each other very early in the season in week five. That's when it's going to be settled. That's when the Jets are going to be able to say, you know what? All those comments you made, Sean Payton, I guarantee you, Robert Sala didn't talk about it at all today in camp. I guarantee you, in the lead up to that week five contest, it is going to be all over that locker room. And that's when you use this information. Right now, it doesn't bother me. Listen, I'm a Jets fan. We talk about this on the show all the time. I have very real, realistic expectations for this team in 2023. I, I cannot consume myself in random shots that other teams and other people are going to make about the New York Jets. I just There's just not enough time in the day. No, no, there really isn't. And I think that Salah did exactly what you said and took the high road today because when he circles back to this, it's just going to fire his guys up that much more. They were already tweeting, you know, talk your, your, your shit coach, you know, do what you got to do. But like, they understood that like, it wasn't, it was kind of swept under the rug for now, but come week five, when that popcorn's in the microwave, getting ready to pop, no, that's what's going to be on the bulletin board. There's also no benefit to going tit, tit for tat with, with Sean Payton. Just let the games yeah. play out. And in yep. week five, if you beat him and all of a sudden the jets, let's say they win that game and they're, they're four and one. Okay. Guess what? That's going to speak more than anything you could have said in July. Anything that I could have said in July is, is going to matter less then if they are 4-1 and one and they beat up on Russell Wilson and the Broncos and Sean Payton and they embarrass them. Imagine if they did that. That will speak more than any response that you and I could make about those comments right now. Anything that Robert Sala could say. Let the games play themselves out. Because guess what? The Jets have an opportunity. If they want to shut up Sean Payton and they want to make him look foolish for those comments, week five is their opportunity to do it. Not now in July. Yeah, absolutely well said. Just wait till the games are played. Don't get mad at anybody in July. It's not worth it. Also, it's it's like it's not it's not malicious. It's just there. It's it's a, it's a back and forth. Like it's what we do. Like it's fun. Like I I find the fun in it. Right. It's like okay, Sean, you want to say yeah. that? Great. Can't wait to see in week five. Like that's the way I I look at it. It's a fun little back and forth. Is it weird for Sean Payton to have said it? Yeah, absolutely. But like, yeah, I don't now all of a sudden go. Ooh, I hate Sean Payton and the Broncos. Like no, like oh okay, say what you want. It's fun. It's fun. Exactly. Yeah. He didn't. He I've didn't always... get personal. He didn't attack. Like he said, Nathaniel Hackett did a bad job. Guess what? Nathaniel Hackett did a bad job. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just true. Like, yeah, the whole dirt on the 20 hands things kind of confused me because I want to know. Obviously, I just want to know a little bit more. And I think he was opening the door for a lot of people to be speculative in that case of like what what actually did happen. And it, it was it was it was kind of a shit show in Denver. And that the result was he got fired midseason. So it is it is a tough look. But yeah, I just I think uh, at this point, coaches need to just 
talk about their own teams for a little bit. And I liked uh, Billy Turner. We can segue this. Billy Turner's comments on Instagram saying that it sounds like a coach who walked in on the first day and realized the, the, the pile of shit that he had in front of him. So I love that. See, Backing up fine. your offensive I liked, coordinator. Yep. I like Billy Turner responding like that. Like that's, this is all in good fun. Like we can do this. This is fine. Yeah, you always love when your your right tackle, your starting right tackle makes those types of comments. And with that, we are going to jump right Let's into the summer rankings there. series. We are at the offensive line portion. We're rounding out the offense today. Uh, we've already done quarterbacks, special teams, and the skill position players, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. We thought we were going to disagree a little bit more today, but we only have one disagreement that we will get to later on in the show. As always, we're going to start from the bottom up on the depth chart. Start with the guys that we don't really think have a chance to make the roster because we don't need to spend a terribly long amount of time on those guys until they impress us at camp or until they make a name for themselves or start getting playing time with even the twos. It's not going to be worth discussing most of these guys. So, Chris, my very first question to you is, how many guys did you put in the practice squad slash red bucket? That's the, the number one tier bucket. I have six names listed in that bucket. Six. Six names. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to guess one is a center. Yes. Three are guards. Yes. And two are tackles. That would be an exact representation of how I have it broken down. All right. Perfect. I'm going to let you do the uh, the naming of these players, and then we'll we'll get into it. So my, the, five, the six players that I have listed as practice squad guys are Eric Smith at right tackle, Adam Pankey and Brett Lang at right guard. I have Tristan Colon Castillo at center. I have Chris Glazer at left guard and uh, Greg Sanat at left tackle. Those are the guys that I have as practice squad players for the New York Jets in 2023. I do not see a clear and obvious path for these guys, barring an injury, to make this team in 2023. Yes, and I actually had seven names redoing my my math here. I can't count to seven, apparently. Oh, I would had you sneak in names. there? But it was a signing after we made the spreadsheet. Yadni Kajust was signed to the mm. team after we made this list. So he is the seventh one in my practice squad slash cut bucket. Although it seems like he, of all the names that you just named, has the best chance to make it in a in a pretty deep group. Um, I would agree with that. Now, looking at, at the way this breaks down, I, I don't think I would change anything. I think Yadni no. Kajust also is not going to make the team. He's probably the most likely of the Like, I'm sorry, Tristan Colon Castillo. There's no way. They just re-signed Connor yeah. McGovern, and they drafted Joe Tittman. Like, you're not making the team. They're not carrying three centers. Like, it's just not going to happen. And so. technically, Schweitzer is in the mix for center. So, like right. I said so, on the uh, earlier it's not pod, yeah, McGovern's with the ones, Schweitzer's with the two and Zach Wilson, and then Tittman's with Boyle and Strevler with the threes and fours. So, you have a three-man battle. I think Castillo could be in that age range where he's a practice squad eligible candidate. But other than that, yeah, I think he's probably the one that moves the needle of all those guys and then could just, just based on maybe depth or if you move on from somebody at that position. Um, starting at the bottom, I guess we'll start with the center position. It's kind of the smallest position. I didn't have Schweitzer in here. I only had McGovern versus Tittman. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you have veteran versus rookie. Uh, Connor McGovern signed this year to a $1.915 million deal that's ranked 33rd on the team. I have him in the solid bucket. I mean, he came back on a minimal deal after a shaky year at best last year. I know he was solid at some points, but then had really down moments last year. So he came back on a deal that didn't really, you know, 
give him the starting job, but then they signed Tittman. I don't know how I feel about it. I said a couple times now that Joe Tittman's the starter, but McGovern's going to get all these reps with the ones for now. So how do you see this playing out? Because I think it's a bit of a battle, but maybe the team doesn't necessarily see it this way. Yeah, look, I mean, these rankings that we are going to do are are our own personal rankings. But I will Mm -hmm. say I did take into account when looking at this, the idea that the New York Jets let Connor McGovern hit free agency and they were poking around in other areas before deciding to bring Connor McGovern back. They were evaluating Ben Jones, whether or not that's an area that they wanted to go down. They were looking at, at, at potentially replacing Connor McGovern at center. So with that being said, do the New York Jets feel like Connor McGovern is a franchise center? Do the New York Jets feel like Connor McGovern is a good, great center if they were easily looking to replace him? Not only did they attempt to replace him in free agency, after signing him to a one-year deal, they used their second-round pick on drafting his long-term replacement. So you, you take that into account. You take into the account of he had an up-and-down year. How would I describe if you asked me, what do you think of Connor McGovern as a center? What would I say? I would say he's a solid center. Well, guess what? We just so happen to have a bucket that's called solid and is the green color. So that's what we did. We have Connor McGovern uh, in in the green uh, bucket, and it's it's simple as he is a solid player. He's not a long term answer, so you don't look at him as a franchise. They're going to easily replace him. Do I consider him the upper echelon of centers in the league? No, he's good enough to get you through a game and to just be a reliable veteran presence there for you under center. And then with Joe Tipman, rookies are net neutral. It's what we've decided here on the show. So he goes into the questions yeah. bucket because he's a rookie. Because I have no idea the way that this is going to play out. I'd like to see Tipman win the job. But again, they signed, they re-signed McGovern to a one-year deal. So I'm not necessarily all that surprised that he's currently working with the ones and he looks to be in line to be the week one starter. Exactly. And just for contrast on the money purposes, I said McGovern makes 1.9 this year as a cap hit. Joe Tippmann's cap hit is 1.5 million. So it's not a matter of they're paying McGovern, so they need to start him. We got three if, and a half million to, to go into two centers here in 2023. Exactly. Although <laughs> we do have Tippmann in the questions bucket he clearly has the widest range of outcomes. He could be anywhere from, you know, questions rookie going into next year to good to great next oh, I'll year. Say it. could be the second best offensive lineman behind AVT. Oh, I have, I have zero issue saying this. This might be one of those hot takes that comes back to, to burn me like the Denzel Mims take, although this one I have a little bit more longer of a run rate because we have the whole season. I wouldn't be surprised if we talk about Joe Tittman as a franchise center next season. If, yeah, he, gets a, he, if he gets enough opportunity to play with the talent that he showed on, on tape, he was arguably the best center in the draft class. It was between him and John Michael Schmidt with how you felt. I was a JMS guy personally, just because I had the opportunity to see Me him too. in person and I just loved watching him. But yeah. Joe Timmon was close. Like Joe Timmon was right behind uh, JMS in my mind. And so it's not unfathomable that the range of outcomes is next season when we do this, that we talk about Joe Timmon as his floor being a good to great player and his ceiling being a franchise player. Now, again, he's got to get on the field for us to, to say that. If not, he's going to just be in the same bucket he is now. But yeah, his range of outcomes is extremely wide. Just depends on whether or not he plays and how much he does play. Yeah, and I was a big JMS guy too. I mean, we had at least two or three conversations down at the Senior Bowl that week about JMS specifically. So yes. we were yes, all we loving on JMS, so for sure. Um, but I, I agree. You could have him in almost a franchise bucket going into next year when you do this exercise because I look at it like Brees Hall. You and I were conflicted. Do we put him in franchise or good to great? Well, without the injury, he's a franchise running back playing six games. So you apply that to Tittman. He takes over the starting job week 11. They go on a run. They make the playoffs. He plays eight games in his rookie year, but he plays the back end and he plays really well. You can argue that he's either good to great or franchise based on how he plays or whatever. So I can clearly see a path for him to be a number, you know, the tier five group of of players. And like I said, second best behind AVT is clearly in his future. 
So with all that said, do you still think that McGovern is the starting center week one when my uh, Buffalo, excuse me, comes to MetLife in our legacy whites? Yeah, I, look, by the way, I love those jerseys. They're just oh, yeah. fantastic. They're just Shout great. out to Sack Exchange. Yeah, they're just so good. Um, I have been on record saying that I thought Joe Tipman would be the starting center. It's the beginning of camp. I don't want to read too much into it, but I do think it's telling that McGovern's working with the ones and Tipman is working with the threes, right? Is it is it because they want to move him along slowly and they don't want to th- throw too much at him? And maybe behind the scenes, they have a plan where they're going to work him through. And by the time week one rolls around, he's going to be ready to go. That's a conceivable path that they could be taking. But that being said, this is an all-in season. They are going for it in 2023. Part of me feels as though their default position is this guy knows what we want him to do. He's been here before. The guy to his left and the guy to his right, he played with last season. So he knows how to help those guys out. And he is a veteran presence. And at the end of the day, Aaron's going to have a big say in this. If Aaron wants Connor McGovern to be the center, no offense to Joe Tittman, then Connor McGovern's going to be the center. So I originally was Tittman was going to be the starter. I'm now flipped the other way 60 40. Connor McGovern, the starter, Tittman might have an outside chance. And it's 60 40 growing towards the overwhelming momentum being for McGovern. Yeah, I think you hit on the the three points there. Um, Continuity with the guys on the offensive line. Experience. He's been in this league for a lot longer than Tippmann, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then the rapport you have with Aaron Rodgers. I think the rapport with Aaron Rodgers is probably the most important because if Tippmann is balling out with Rodgers and is doing fine, there is no reason for him not to be with the ones and to get every opportunity possible. So I think it is very telling Perhaps after the Hall of Fame game, Joe Tittman does well and he gets bumped up to the twos or whatever, and there's a slow progression there. I just hope it wouldn't be a case where it's, you know, Garrett Wilson getting nine snaps against the Ravens because they wanted to start a guy like Lawrence Cager. So, like, let's not Don't do that to Tittman here. Don't, Don't overthink the position. Just And they have guard flexibility as we get into the guard position. Either of them, I think, it, whoever loses this job, even Schweitzer, can get you out of a game at guard. So that's also something important to look at is offensive line puzzle pieces and where you can place people if an injury happens. So if they feel Tittman is better, you know, with guard versatility as a backup, then that goes into their decision too, to, Hey, let's start McGovern. You have three guards making the roster. I have three guards making the roster. Yes, I do. And those three being AVT, Lake and Tomlinson and uh, Wes Schweitzer. Yes, I think that's pretty much the most chalk position. I think it has been all off season. We've known well, the two starters have and been Lakin and ABT. And here's why, right? It, we can get into the nuances of, of these players, but ABT and Lakin Tomlinson, because ABT is awesome, and because of the contract that Lakin Tomlinson has, you put those guys in there at, as your starting left guard and right guard. We'll give where we what bucket we put them in, um, but that those are the two guys that I have as starters. And then Schweitzer, I think, is the perfect backup to just have for both sides. And the, the added thing that I think is really important here, Dylan is AVT can play both spots. AVT can go anywhere on the offensive line. So yes, you want him to just be in one spot. You want him to be your right guard, but the versatility of him being able to basically play four of the five spots. I mean, the only place I haven't seen him play is center at the pro level. He's played Mm -hmm. everywhere else. I think he could play center if we asked him to, but he's played all four spots on the offensive line, other than center that versatility. It helps. If Lakin Thomas has got to go down in a game, you can kick AVT over to the left side. That's where he started. And then you can, like, you've got options if you want to move some people around. So that's the thing that really kind of makes this interesting to me is why they would carry three is because I think Schweitzer can be a swing, play both, and AVT can also play both. And Lakin Tomlinson is, is the guy you paid a lot of money to. So uh, I'm not sure if you're still like a Madden player currently or not. I've 
given up on the game a couple years ago, but I always used to take my best interior player and put him at backup, both guards and center. And yeah, I feel you, like you got to have that guy. Any, any injury that goes down, I want that guy going in. Exactly. So he's the first man up at three of the five positions on the line. And yeah, I think ABT will get into all the possible offensive line combinations when we wrap up this discussion. But ABT is that chess piece. And, you know, to a similar degree, Billy Turner, somebody will get into. But these are guys you can move all over the line. And I always go back to the Elgin Jenkins of the Green Bay world if we're making a one to one comparison with Rodgers. Elgin Jenkins played four of the five positions in his first three or four seasons in Green Bay. So AVT could clearly be used to do that. And for all those reasons, he's a franchise right guard. He wants to be right guard majority of the season. That's kind of the plan. But like you said, shit can hit the fan and he could have to go anywhere. And I think he can get you out of a game at center. He's an all pro level guard. We've seen it. And he's clearly at least a pro bowl level tackle on both sides. So easiest franchise bucket for me. Oh, this is, I, this was, I didn't even consider it was one of the first things I did. Was that yes. I put AVT in the franchise bucket? This is a no doubter. My guy plays four positions on the offensive line at a Pro Bowl level. He just does. He can go anywhere the team asks him to. Now, listen, do I want AVT to be my long term right tackle? No, I don't think so. I want him to be inside. But if yes. I need him to get me through two games, guess what? I have zero concern that that's going to be a hole in the Jets' offensive line. I'm more concerned about what it does to the interior because he's no longer there. Like, that's the concern that I have. So, listen, this guy's a franchise player. He's a franchise player because he's an elite guard. Um, you, you worry about his health. You worry about him staying healthy, but he's an elite guard. He can play both spots, play left and right. And at any given moment, because he did it last year, he can go play left tackle. He can go play right tackle. He can switch in the middle of a series, in the middle of a game, just moving around like a chess piece. That is something very unique to have. And so he is one of the franchise players that I have for this team. Remember, I only gave out one, two, three, four, five franchise grades, five yep. on this team. I gave one away with Aaron Rodgers. This is the only... I gave three on offense. Garrett Wilson was one, and we gave ABT the other. So we got two on defense for me. That's it. There's no other franchise to be handed out on offense. ABT is one of those guys. Yeah, ABT, it's like like you said, it's the easiest thing. The first thing you do when you look at the spreadsheet, when I did my rankings overall, put ABT right near the top, homegrown player. Um, he's entering his third year, so he's eligible for the fifth-year option. I believe you've covered that on one of your TDN Daily Shows. I believe they do lump in all the offensive linemen together, whether you're a center or a tackle. So the yep. price is going to be steep when you look at the number. But when you consider that he can play tackle and guard at a very high level, it doesn't really matter. And I suspect the Jets will pay him more like a tackle who plays guard than a guard who plays tackle because somebody in this league is going to pay ABT if he ever hit free agency. So you have to make sure that this man is well taken care of on your offensive line. I'll give it away. I have AVT as my fifth rated player on the New York Jets for the 2023 season. Ooh, that's really exciting because I feel like I'm in that same kind of range. Let's he's go check. I believe he's five for me as well. Yep, yeah, that's he's perfect. A, he's, he, he's a top five player on this team. He's technically the last of our franchise buckets. Then we have five each on the team. But still, when you're one of those top five guys and Aaron Rodgers is one of those guys that you just acquired this season. I think that's a, a very good thing, not only for the team, but for Joe Douglas's resume and, and for him when it comes time to get a contract. So we can move on to his running mate at left guard, um, Lakin Tomlinson. Not quite the franchise tag um, bucket I'd put him in. I don't even think I'd put him in solid right now if I'm looking at the left guard position based on what he did last year. Um, I have him as questions, questions slash rookies, and I feel like for somebody who's making 10.8 million on the team, which is a top five uh, cap hit for the team, you can't be a question slash rookie. You can't be in this bucket of 
when you look at names that we've already been talking about in this similar bucket, you can't be in there with with that type of price tag. So we definitely want to see a big uptick in production from Lake and Tomlinson. That being said, his ceiling to me is good to great. If he gets back to his uh, San Fran form, I know he's in his early 30s. I still think he has some good quality years left in the NFL if he gets back to that form. Mainly run blocking. His past pros never been, you know, stellar, but run blocking was always his thing. So I want to see him get back to that this year. Lakin Thomason is a very interesting evaluation when looking at the 2023 New York Jets. He might be one of the most important players on the offense, truly. Yes. What happens with Lakin Tomlinson in 2023 might dictate the success that this team has. He's a first round pick in Detroit, doesn't necessarily live up to that expectation. Goes to San Francisco and unlocks something. In that Shanahan offensive scheme, he finds something. The Jets go and bring Robert Sala over. They go ahead and bring LaFleur over, and they want to run a very similar scheme, a very similar system. So they go out and bring a guy who excelled in that system. Well, Lakin Tomlinson here in New York has been more of the Detroit version of himself than he has been the San Francisco version of himself. So which version are the New York Jets getting in 2023? Are they getting the Detroit version? Are they getting the San Francisco version? Are they getting the Jets version? Which version of Lakin Tomlinson are they going to get? And so because that's where I sit, and when I have to try to put together an evaluation for Lakin Tomlinson, those are the thoughts that roll through my head. How is he not in the questions bucket? Now, his ceiling is good to great. If he plays the way he did in San Francisco, he's a good to great player. But if he continues to play the way that he's playing, and he has in his tenure in New York, he's going to stay in that yellow bucket, and I'll have question marks of whether or not he's a starter. So that's where the evaluation currently sits for me, is I need to know what version we're getting here in 2023 of Lakin Tomlinson. And I think it's the biggest key along this offensive line. other than. We'll talk about another guy here in a second that I think is the, probably the biggest question mark, but Lakin Tomlinson's got an got a argument. Yeah, I, I think they're neck and neck with being the biggest X factor. I think you can get around one more so than the other. But yes, uh, yes I agree. The, the, the guy Lake we haven't Tomlinson. talked about yet, I think you can get around more than you can get around Lakin Tomlinson being bad. That's, yes, that's and, my but, but that's important to note too. And I think that also it's important to note with him specifically is what the coaches say about him. Uh, you hear Salah talk about flag bearers in his press conferences, guys that know the system that want to bring the other guys along so that they're not doing football 101 for so much longer in offseason tr- uh, camps. You know, they're getting into the 201s, the 301s of football speak and getting into that install process faster. I think Lake and Tomlinson could be one of those guys. You just need to then go do it on the field. And I'm not saying he can't be as bad as he was last year. He certainly could, but my expectation is he's going to be better. It's just a matter of, can he be better enough to, to keep the job? Because Wes Schweitzer is kind of right on his heels. If he doesn't win the center job, can he push Lakin for left guard snaps? I think he could. And for that reason, looking at Schweitzer as a left guard or right guard too, I have him as a solid. How do you have Schweitzer? Yeah, I am as a solid as well because of the versatility, right? He can play a bunch of different spots. That's a really nice, unique trait to have. And you mentioned it earlier. He's going to probably be a backup at three different spots. He could be your backup left guard. He could be your backup right guard. He could also be your backup center if you don't want to address Tittman in the early going. So to have a guy that can play all three interior positions and play them at a pretty solid level, is he going to be a pro bowler at any of those spots? No, but he's going to be solid enough to get you through a game and be able to potentially in a pinch play two, three games that is at a position, that's a nice thing to have. And so I view him as a solid. I will say this on my depth chart, despite having Lake and Tomlinson in the yellow questions bucket and uh, Wes Schweitzer in the green solid bucket, I have Lake and Tomlinson listed ahead on the depth chart. So mm. I just want to make that clear. I have Lakin as the starter, but Schweitzer makes the team as a, as a green solid depth piece because he can, he's versatile and he can play multiple spots. 
Yeah, when we get to the end of the show, we show the entire ranking series in uh, the spreadsheet. You'll see it's a bit wonky with the colors, and you'd think, oh, green line guys should be at the top, and then it works its way down. But with the offensive line, it's a little bit of flip-flopping, and uh, the guard position is definitely one of those. Um, before we get into the tackle position, we do have a couple questions here in the chat. Um, Carlos or Charles, excuse me, says, "Sup guys, if we sign Cook, who will be on our running back roster?" I think the one you have to look for um, potentially being cut or practice squatted would be Bam Knight, only because Which they didn't use would a- be brutal. I'd exactly. have to issue another public apology. Exactly. Now, I did you give not- myself a hedge. I did hedge and say if they got Dalvin Cook, everything yes. I said doesn't matter. So yes, I was we- pretty clear about that. But it's not. It would be over two. It would not be a great start for me. It it wouldn't be. But I think that's unfortunately the guy that would have to be left off. They didn't spend a draft pick on him, so you would have uh, Michael Carter, uh, Dalvin Cook, Brees Hall. Those are your top three guys, and then you'd probably have just Israel Abanikanda as your fourth, rounding out the entire room. I'll tell you, you'd hope you'd the hope Rant's going to come. Get- the Izzy Abanikanda rant's going to come all the way back around if they sign Dalvin Cook. It's going to come full circle. <laughs> I'm going to start so yelling funny. again. Because I, I just posted on Twitter a hot take about Israel Abanikanda. He could lead the team top three in explosive plays. He broke off a 50-yard run in practice the other day, and that kind of sparked my thought. Like Those are the range of outcomes for a guy like him. But if they sign Dalvin Cook, yeah, you're kind of putting a wet blanket on that fire that could be, but you're also doing that with Bam Knight. So it makes it a little interesting. But I think if you sign Cook, Bam would be the, the guy that you're on, on edge about, saying, can we practice squad stash him without him getting puffed away? Um and we do have Sideshow here. He did put uh, F the Jets in the oh, comments. Hashtag thanks, keep show. pounding. Appreciate and then he did here. follow it up with a just some friendly banter. I dropped a like. So we do oh, appreciate you. Hey. Uh, it'll yeah. come full circle on August 12th when we're down there in Charlotte uh, playing at Bank of America Stadium. And the Jets defensive line is coming after rookie Bryce Young, QB1. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see. But we do appreciate your viewership. And uh, at all, I, I root for the Panthers. I don't hate on them. They got a, a very good roster and a very hey, good coaching they're staff. They're one of my um, favorite one of my favorite teams going into 2023, man. I, I think they might. I was going to say, people. following your your ranking series, I was. I mean, I don't necessarily disagree. I don't agree with everything you said about them, but I there is so much reason for optimism with everything they got going on in Carolina. So glad to have you there, sideshow. Uh, one more here. Um, somebody has some thoughts on Peyton. Bart says the Broncos will finish six and eleven, and he will be a color commentator for Fox the following season. I'm selling this take. I'm selling it too. I think they they gave up way too much to have him just for one year, kind of like the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. They gave up too much for it to be a one year thing. Um, maybe if the Broncos win the Super Bowl, Sean Payton will retire. I still don't see it that way. That's too dramatic for a coach. But uh, hey, the Broncos kind of do have a wide range of outcomes. They could be yeah. very good in the AFC West. Or they could be very bad. So yeah. I think it's kind of just wait and see. But he does have a lot on his plate in terms of turning that team around. They could be marketably improved from where they were last year. And it may not matter in the grand scheme of things in the playoff picture in the AFC. And that won't be entirely their fault. Yes. A hundred percent. And with that, we're, we're going to get to the, these tackles, the give premium me nightmares. Gives position me nightmares. on the offensive line. You want to know what the, keeps me up at night as a Jets fan. It's these two positions on the team. A hundred percent. I have the Jets keeping five offensive tackles. That would be a total of 10 offensive linemen, your five starters, and then your five backups. One backup uh, offensive tackle, one backup tackle who can play guard, one backup guard, and then one guard who can play center. So you have a lot of options, but I came away with 10 total offensive linemen with five tackles. Did you have it the same? I have 10 total offensive linemen. I have five tackles. I have no idea. One of them might not make the team. 
All right. Well, we can start with that one. Which one do you feel the least well, likely to make the team? If he's still hurt and he, they haven't put him on, unless I'm missing something, they have not put this guy on any sort of injury list as of this point. But Carter Warren's coming off of a major major knee injury. So yep. he would be the guy that I think they would just move along slowly and he might <clears> not draw into this starting fold. I have him as a he's a rookie, so you know what tag he gets. He gets the yellow questions tag. Sure. But he's the guy of the of the five that I think might not make the team because if he's hurt, they might like just put him on pup or something. I don't know. Yeah, he he's definitely one that I've gone back and forth with. Um especially Glenn, I've gone back and forth. He was talking about Carter Warren being an option this year. And I pushed back and I thought, hey, maybe they redshirt him because of the meniscus injury. I know that doesn't necessarily hinder him as far as him playing, you know, his ability this season, but just, you know, the slow ramp up to getting healthy and then being a little bit behind in the training camp process. We don't know exactly where he's at in the in the playbook or like, you know, he's playing with the, the twos and the threes. He's getting beat by Will McDonald quite a bit. We've seen that in the practice tweets there. That from might the say more about so, Will McDonald than it does Carter Warren, but oh, hundred percent, a hundred percent. But that was always the one thing is I think Carter Warren was not a good run blocker, but a good pass protector. So if he's getting beat in pass pro, he's probably a big liability in the run game as of right now. I'm not going to assume that about him, but yes, I agree. If there was a way to put him on the practice squad, maybe they could consider it. But because you put a five, a fifth round pick on him, I think they're right. going to keep him on the team. So yeah, he stays in the questions rookie bucket. Um, his ceiling doesn't go very high, maybe solid. I just don't see enough playing time for him to jump up a tier for me. So I feel like next year he'll be in this round and he was a fourth round pick, excuse me, not a fifth round pick. Uh, to, to go along with that, we'll just continue right there with the yellow tag. I have Max Mitchell second year offensive tackle from Louisiana. Uh, another fourth round tackle last year, uh, Robert Sala, he made a comment a couple of days ago about Max Mitchell starting last year. And he said last year, quote, had some had to start him sleepless nights, worried about if he would perform. And I think you could copy and paste that about Carter Warren this year with their mentality. If they're a little nervous about Max Mitchell last year, they should certainly be worried about Carter Warren playing games this year. Obviously, Max Mitchell had the really scary injury, the blood clots. Solid does call him an old school player. You know, he, every play is important to him. He said, all that matters with Mitchell is what happens when you get your opportunity and you never want to see health scares, but he stayed confident and worked his ass off to get back. And those are all things you love to hear out of a second round, you know, small school guy. Louisiana, that's a mid-major, right? That's on brand that for is, you. That is a mid-major uh, selection from the uh, from the New York Jets there with Max Mitchell. Yeah, Absolutely. So he's getting reps with the ones because Becton and Brown are both out. He's kind of flip-flopping left and right tackle, but I have him as a, a backup role unless mm -hmm. something happens to a guy above before we even get into the season. So Max is a very interesting evaluation, right? It was a weird pick when they made it because he didn't necessarily fit the type of offensive lineman that goes into the system that they like to run. And the idea right. was, we believe this guy's a project. We believe this guy's a projection two, three years down the road. We think this guy can be really great for us. Well, they didn't really get a choice in the matter because they had a ton of injuries just absolutely tear through this offensive line. And Max Mitchell had to be their starting right tackle. And I said it at the time. I'll stand by it now. I'll say it here again. There were times in which Max Mitchell, for long stretches when he was playing and being the starting right tackle, he was not the worst offensive lineman on this team. Was he perfect? No. But he was not the worst offensive lineman on this team. Those were There were moments when Lakin Tomlinson wasn't playing very well, when they when they didn't have AVT, and I, I, they had just a rotating just circus of just guards on the interior not playing very well. There were times where Connor McGovern didn't play all that great. 
Max Mitchell was not the worst offensive lineman on the New York Jets in 2023. Yet you still have the size concerns. You still have the concerns of can he be a long-term answer at the position? And I look at, they brought in Billy Turner, who Nathaniel Hackett is familiar with and who Aaron Rodgers is familiar with. I think he's going to draw above Max Mitchell on the depth chart. And Makai Becton, we'll get to him here in a second. He's the player that we have not mentioned it at all during throughout this process. I just think Max Mitchell currently, as it sits here on July 27th, draws in third on this list. But as we saw last year, you can draw in third on this list and very, very quickly be thrusted into a starting role. So I have Max Mitchell still in the questions bucket because I question what his long-term role is. I question where he's going to fit on the depth chart this year. I still question the size. There are things that I still have questions about with, with Max, but he checked all the boxes when he was in there. He was a serviceable right tackle when he needed to play for this team. And so I, I wouldn't, if it got to a point where Max was in there playing games for the New York Jets, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel great about it, but I wouldn't be petrified about it. And so I have him in the questions bucket. I have him, th- I have him as my th- as our third string right tackle right now. Yeah, I think for everything that Max Mitchell did well last year, he's kind of stuck in a weird place with fans where he everybody looks at him like he did super well. He did great because he had zero expectations and right. there was nothing put on him. Now I think if you insert that exact same scenario this year where he has no expectations, he's going to look like an offensive lineman that's above expectations. But I think the expectations has risen for Max Mitchell now, where if he's playing games, people are going to expect him to be holding down that side of the line for Aaron Rodgers. And I don't think he's quite equipped to do that yet. I don't want to be too negative. And he's also coming back from the health injury. So for that reason, I have him as the fourth best offensive or fourth tackle in this group. Uh, right uh, behind Billy Turner. I think you said you have him three. So does that mean you have Billy Turner as your offensive tackle four? No, I have. So I understand the the confusion. So uh, I'll give it away here and then we can work backwards. I have Dwayne Brown as the starting left tackle. Yep. I have Carter Warren listed behind him, although I don't know necessarily if Carter's going to make the team. I got you. Over on the right side, I have Makai Becton, Billy Turner, Max Mitchell. So yes. yes. He's That's your why two I have ordered. slash three at yes. yes. Sure. I could get behind that as well. And, and that brings us to who I do have as number three or your swing tackle. I guess we'll put it. This guy could be your, your first swing tackle. He's Newcomer. looking like he's going to be the starting right tackle at this stage. <sighs> and it's scaring the crap out of me because this is another player when, when you view him in the lens of a backup, you come to a certain tier. And then you view him in the lens of a starter. And all of a sudden, he's dropping a tear for me. And that's Billy Turner. I have him in the green, the solid bucket as of right now. And let's like like you said, because he is the swing tackle currently, if he is the starting right tackle, that would drop down to a questions rookie bucket without hesitation. I think there's way too many question marks for Billy Turner to be your starting right tackle. That being said, there's a lot of trust with Hackett and potentially with Aaron Rodgers uh, and Billy Turner. He knows how to do those scramble off script things that Aaron Rodgers is so keen on doing. So if they do find a spot for him on the starting five, I'm kind of, you know, worried. But as a backup quality depth player, I think he is just that. Sala said versatility is a coach's dream. He's a chess piece. He helps everybody around him. To me, I think what he said in defense of Nathaniel Hackett today was the best thing I can get behind. Yeah, you, you get a, as you get a, a bump in the grade from that. You just get exactly. a bump in the grade because of that. You're just a great morale guy. Great, Got to have you in the room for that. Exactly. In the room, not starting. So that's where I'm at with Billy Turner. He's only making $1.5 million this year, so very, very low deal for a tackle especially. So who knows? Perhaps a cut-down day comes and another team cuts a tackle that wasn't expected, and Billy Turner finds himself on the hot seat. I don't think that's necessarily the case, but – 
the money isn't keeping him here. Per perhaps it's more of the trust from inside the building. I agree 100%. I have Billy Turner listed as a solid player, not because his overall talent makes him a solid player, but because I think being a swing tackle, being able to get the Jets out of a pinch at both left tackle and right tackle, if something happens to Dwayne Brown or Mekhi Becton, is what he's been brought in here for. He's familiar with Nathaniel Hackett. He's familiar with Aaron Rodgers. He's familiar with the system. Those are all things that allow you to be in the solid bucket. And I think that's the important takeaway here for everyone who's listening. I have Billy Turner in the solid bucket. He's a tagged with that green tag. He's still the backup right tackle because I think the person in front of him is more talented, even though I have more questions about the person in front of him than I do Billy Turner. Because I think Billy Turner's at his ceiling right now as a player. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't have his ceiling as anything higher than solid. Uh, you couldn't even say good to great. Like it just, it doesn't seem feasible based on the way he's played in the past. Mainly his versatility is his calling card. So with that, the guy ahead of him, <clears throat> definitely questions. I have him in the questions, rookie bucket. You can't put him anywhere else. Hasn't taken a snap in over two seasons because of a right knee injury. Uh, God damn you, Greg Van Roten. You really took away a lot of the happiness that Jets fans could have had with Mekhi Becton and what could have been. Instead, we had a shaky relationship with Mekhi Becton on Twitter, fighting fans, calling him a bust and this and that, you know, showing up to camp overweight and wearing the shirt. So Mekhi Becton to me is a questions rookie bucket. He's got a $5.8 million cap hit. Uh, he's entering the final year of his deal. He was drafted in 2020. So it's kind of tough. You're in a really tough spot. They declined your fifth year option. <clears throat> so your options are really just to play hard, stay on the field as much as you can and hope that if it's not the Jets, somebody sees something in you to pay you. And I think that that's the case. I'm not going to, you know, venture out on a price tag for Mekhi Becton, but he could be a $20 million tackle if he stays healthy and he played like he did as a rookie. He could also find himself as an eight-year or an $8 million per year kind of tackle three option for a team moving forward if he can't be consistent. So questions rookie for me, but like you said before, the biggest biggest, literally biggest X factor on this team, Mekhi Becton. We know when Mekhi Becton is healthy, what he can be for the New York Jets. The problem is it's been a very, very, very long time since we've been able to see that player in a New York Jets uniform playing for the New York Jets. And it all kind of lined up going into this offseason of, okay, Mekhi, it was a brutal training camp for you last year getting hurt right away and your entire season being lost. But this is a contract year for you. You're going to get to play and protect Aaron Rodgers. You're going to get to play for a win-now team. You can go out there and erase all of the doubt that people have about you. You can remind everybody of the player that you were in your rookie season. And we are just a couple days into camp, and we are already asking the question of, is Mekhi Becton going to be healthy enough to play a full game starting week one of the regular season? He did not practice today because of the knee. And Robert Sala said it's just something that is day-to-day, -day, and we're just trying to get him in a position where he's going to be, be able to play week one. We're trying to get him in a position where he's going to be able to play in week one. That scares me. That scares me a lot. And so when we look at this, I want Mekhi Becton to be the starter because I think he's more talented than Billy Turner. And the questions, and spoiler, he's in the questions bucket for me, is can he be healthy? Right now it's 50-50. And so the, we're going to let the process play out, and we'll let training camp play out to see what happens. But I, I don't love this. This is not great. And the fact that the Jets went into the season – Allowing this to be the situation that they have at the at the right tackle spot is very very concerning to me. But we'll see. I I would love for him to be the starter week one. I just every piece of empirical data that I have tells me that that's not going to be the case. Yeah, and Glenn and I mentioned it earlier that interview that he did with Bob Glober uh, earlier in the summer where he said it is what it is. 
with the current coaching staff and his, you know, relationship with them. I think that was kind of the writing on the wall of this relationship is at least at the very worst for, or at the very minimum fractured and it's could be repairable. But if Makai Becton doesn't win that left tackle job and we'll get into Dwayne Brown and my thoughts on who's going to be left tackle, right tackle. But if he doesn't win that left tackle job and he does, you know, put on a big thing that he's only a left tackle. He doesn't want to play right tackle for the jets. They have no choice. They have to move on. You're not in a position where you're keeping him for contractual purposes. He's in the final year of his deal. So somebody could just easily take that on and you're taking a minimal hit. I don't even think you take a hit if you trade him. The only thing is you do have a much bigger question mark at offensive tackle. Um, we'll get into the offensive line combinations. So that's where you could use an ABT type of player, but no Makai Becton on this team is not a good look for your best five offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Um, I said it with Tittman. I, I'm going to say it with uh, Becton too. At this time next year, this guy could be your second best offensive lineman. That just goes to show the variance in the offensive line. Obviously, the talent is there for Makai as well as Tittman, but that that number two spot, that number two ranking on the offensive line is wide open. But with this last guy, I'm going to fill that spot. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this guy we're about to talk about is currently the second best offensive lineman on the Jets behind AVT. He was a pro bowler in 2021. He is a five-time pro bowler for one-time all-pro overall. Two two different teams before here in Houston and Seattle. We kind of have a lot of the older Seattle players, you know, grouping up on the Jets, two defensive linemen and an offensive lineman, and that's Dwayne Brown. I think Dwayne Brown is in the good to great bucket. I'm just going to say it right out, right out the gates. I think he's more than solid. You look at the guys we've talked about as solid, Billy Turner, Wes Schweitzer, uh, uh, who else do we have? Connor McGovern as, as a solid earlier. Like I don't think Dwayne Brown is in that mold. Last year he played with one arm, and literally they had to create an award for the guy for being so selfless and just playing with one arm essentially. So he's in the good to great tier. Now I have to – caveat that by saying it is the the good side it is not anywhere near the great side it is the good side but when we get to the final rankings I think people are going to be a little bit uh taken back by where I have Dwayne Brown because right now he's a lot closer to the top 10 than I think people realize at least from my perspective Dwayne Brown in the solid bucket for me here's our disagreement everybody here it is um I can't get there. He's a guy that's been injured in the last couple of years, and I know he's been able to play through it, but the Jets can't. The Jets have a 37 year old left tackle who gets injured on a pretty regular basis. Like, I'm sorry, you can't. You're not good or great if that's the case. You're 37. He's fine. He's good. He's a good player. He's a good Mm -hmm. player. But the reason, the thing that knocks him down into the solid is here. On his merits, he's a good, great player. But I've got questions about the idea that he's 37 years old. So what do I do when I have those two completing averages? Just go right in the middle, baby, and go into the solid bucket. And so that's what I have. I have a good to great player who's been able to battle through some injuries. He's battle tested. He decided to come back. He could have easily walked away and retired and walked up into the sunset. He wanted to come back and play for the New York Jets in 2023. Those are those are the things that put me in the good to great bucket. But then the big thing that constantly hangs over my head, my dude is 37 years old playing left tackle in the National Football League. I just, that's, that's a big thing to have over here on this side of the equation. So I decided to split the difference. Maybe I'm putting too much on the fact that he's 37 years old, but it just concerns me, man. This is a young man's game. He's going to be on the opposite side of a lot of elite pass rushers. that are going to try to get through him to get to Aaron Rodgers. And I would like to be a little bit more solidified in what we've got there. So I have him as a solid player 
I'm not, I'm not like upset at you for having him in the good to great. I get it. I'm just hedging a little bit more with Dwayne Brown than, than you were. Well, then I'm going to come out and say I'm totally mad at you for having him as solid. No, That's I'm just fine. kidding. That's no, fine. but when you're, you're left tackle one and your quarterback one – have an average age of 38 in the NFL. What do we do? Like, that scares game. me. That's concerning. Yes. When you have a, a, a league and a division, especially full of pass rush talent, we've already talked about the Jalen Phillips, you know, the whole thing. We've talked about the entire division. They have pass rushers across the board, even the Patriots with Matt Judon. So it's going to be interesting. I do think he is good to great. Um, I do have questions, but they are just a, a little bit less of questions. It's mainly injury related. Um, but when I go to project his role, I I put it in Sharpie that this guy's a left tackle. Like I don't I really don't think it's a competition. He's not no, coming back no. for year 17 to potentially change positions. Uh the, the coaches had to have said, Hey, if you come back for this year, we're making a legitimate run with Aaron Rodgers and you are gonna be his blindside protector. So that's just my thoughts on I don't think it's much of a competition. It's mainly just gonna come down to does Mikai Becton want to play right tackle for the New York Jets in twenty twenty three? Agreed 100%. So that covers everybody on the team. As I pull this up, I See, just this want. Is, there's a problem for you here, though, because I've given you the last couple of disagreements. And so I'm kind of owed one here with Dwayne Brown. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I'm kind of this going my way. We're we're going to um we're going to we're going to get into it. I, I guess I can nudge a little bit. As you see on the rankings here, I'll, I'll make the screen a little bit less wide so you can see the entire offense. Every single person now has been bucketed, except for Dwayne Brown. He's the last one. He's our last disagreement. Um, we do have the offense keeping 27 players. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Out of We now have 30 spots out of the 53 taken up, so we have 23 for the defense. So I feel like we'll have to do a little bit of shuffling. It's well, we hard can to get keep... Denzel Mims out of there. <laughs> Oh yeah, I forgot we have Denzel Mims still in the green or in the yeah, yellow. So that yeah, definitely he can takes go. away. He can just one. go to the red; it he, will be okay. He can just get. You can off just the leave. Yeah, can, yeah, just get him out of there. That's fine. <laughs> so too. We, we'll we'll do that housekeeping real quick. So we're at twenty six, which makes me actually feel a lot better because then that's twenty nine, which leaves you twenty four for the defense, which makes me feel a lot better. I still think we're going to have to trim one down. Four I, I think there's an obvious trim tough. spot. I think there's an obvious trim spot. I think Zach Coons could just end up being a practice squad player. Right. I think so, that's okay. The, I was going to push back and say bought in, but I know that the fullback has become like, a right. Well, no, we can't get rid of the recently. fullback. We, we can't get rid of, you know, we can't get rid of, can't get rid of a bot. All right. So yeah, I think, it, I guess if we had to pick one player each, it would probably be bought in versus Coons. And I can get on board with Coons being the guy. Um, but back to Dwayne Brown, um, I guess I'll, I'll compromise and do solid for i'll do that solid for you chris but uh it's a bit tongue-in-cheek i don't really want to do it i think he can be better than he is but when no, you, you know look what? at this you know what you know what because i was so wrong on the denzel mims thing <laughs> okay you, you can go. have this with Wayne Brown. let's go i'll hey i'll take a win any way we can get it we're jets fans here so <laughs> we we have now come to a consensus on the entire offense and offensive line, obviously. But like we said, when you look at the chart, you see a lot of yellow on top of green. And that doesn't necessarily mean the backups are better than the starters, but that just means that they probably come with less question marks. And to have two question marks on your offensive line is a bit of a scare when you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers in at quarterback. So yeah. what are your thoughts? And bef- and we can just round out with some offensive line combinations if, if people start to get hurt. Yeah, so I think the other important thing, too, is is that the reason why we have Lakin Tomlinson and Mekhi Bechtner, or at least I do, and I know you have it the same way, ahead of guys that we have in the green solid bucket is 
because I think the ceilings are much higher on Lincoln Tomlinson and Makai Beckton. And the floors, I think, are pretty similar as long as they stay healthy. And so that's why we have those guys in front. But there are guys that have questions because Lincoln Tomlinson 2022 was not a good season. And for Makai Beckton, the question is, is he going to be healthy? But if Makai Beckton is healthy and available for the Jets in week one, there's no question in my mind that he's a better option at right tackle than Billy Turner is. But Billy Turner is just a solid player who's able to play both spots. And I know what his ceiling and his floor is. It's, it's, it's it, the, the gap between the ceiling and his floor is not that big. So uh, that's the difference there. Uh, look, I, the way we have it, Dwayne Brown, Lincoln Tomlinson, Conor McGovern, Elijah Vera Tucker, and Makai Becton is kind of how I, I, how I see fit right now. Um, look, I think if either of the two guards goes down, I think you're going to put Wes, uh, Wes Schweitzer in there. Um, I think Billy Turner's first man up if either of the tackles go down. And I think Tipman might be able to draw in pretty quickly. I think those are the three names that I immediately, I think Max Mitchell and Carter Warren are both break glass in case of emergency options for the Jets in 2020. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You don't want Carter Warren playing. And, and I lean that way with Max Mitchell as well. You didn't want him playing last year. You probably don't want him playing much this year at all. That being said, if you do get rid of Makai Becton or he doesn't stay healthy, you're so thin at the tackle position, you have to play one of those guys or pick up a guy that's cut. So I have three names here. Um, I guess, obviously, AVT could bump out to right tackle, and then you would put Schweitzer in at the guard spot. So you could play a little bit of you know puzzle piecing around with the sure. offensive line. But do you think the combination of, before I get into my question about free agents, Brown, uh, Lakin, Tipman, McGovern, AVT from left to right, does that inspire a bit of confidence if Makai Becton oh. isn't? Because I think that is the only other combination where I'm you know breathing on a play-to-play basis with the Jets, and I'm not like scared that Aaron Rodgers has to throw the ball within two seconds of getting the snap. All right, hit me with that one more time. Dwayne Brown at so, left tackle. Left to right, Dwayne Brown, Lakin yep. Tomlinson. Yep. Nothing changes there. You have Tipman in at center. Uh-huh. McGovern kicks out to right guard and ABT okay. kicks out to right tackle. So why why McGovern over Schweitzer? Would be my question. Uh, just because McGovern would be in line to start now. So I just shifted the starters over one spot with Makai weaving and then just bumped Tipman up. You could yeah. go Schweitzer too, but then I don't think McGovern on the bench. I think it'd be McGovern, Schweitzer, ABT and, and no Tipman. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with that. I, I would feel okay with the idea of kicking ABT out to right tackle starting Tipman. I mean, Tipman would be a question mark as a rookie at center, but I think yes. that's to have Dwayne Brown and AVT and feel really good about your pillars on the outside. And if Lakin Thomas could be better than he was in 2022, then you feel good about some of your interior stuff. I wouldn't hate that. The interior would be the weakness because I'd have more question marks there than anything else. But I think to have your, your two tackle spots solidified. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against that. I think that's a fair, fair evaluation. Yeah. And, and like you said, solidifying the tackles, I think is paramount as opposed to establishing your interior trio. If you can be rock solid on the outside, whether it's Brown Becton, Brown AVT, whatever combination you come up with, if they can be solid on the outside for Aaron Rodgers, the interior, yes, it matters. Interior pass rush is a huge thing. Defensive tackle is like the the pseudo premium position on the defensive line as well. But I just think tackles are more important than guards. So to get those guys solidified any way possible is your, your best outcome. And then you kind of, patchwork the interior if you can but like 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 we said the center position is going to come down to rogers trust and then it kind of works out from there injury wise concern wise i think at the end of the day you don't want billy turner but if that's the guy you know he's going to have trust so it's it's it gets really shaky after the first line but there's tons of potential for this offensive line yeah i, I agree 100 I, I think we look at this group and 
Lycan Thomas are bouncing back. Mackay Becton being healthy. I think those are the two things that you're keeping an eye on because if you can check both of those boxes, I feel a heck of a lot better about this offensive line than I currently do right now. 100%. And like I said, I think a couple shows ago, you don't need all five positions to be perfectly healthy, perfectly good all season long, but you can't have what happened last year. And I don't no. think like it's going to be a law of averages. Maybe three guys are really solid and you have revolving doors at one or two positions this season and maybe that's performance based or injury based but you can't have what happened last year I don't foresee what happened last year happening I think if we get down that road it's just going to untangle the whole season really quickly but this is the most important part of the entire team I don't think you know speaking for the defense and the offense this is the most important position skill or position room that we're going to cover um, it's not the best but that's what makes it the most important because it needs to be good in order for this team to have success. Um, uh, Robert Sala real quick had a quote about um, Aaron Rodgers and how he can help the defensive line or offensive line. Excuse me. He said, getting rid of the ball quickly will help picking and choosing when the hitch can come. So when he can take his longer developing plays, he said, knowing when to escape will also help. He will quote, lull you to sleep, and then boom, he's going to pop out of nowhere with something freaky where it's longer developing. He still has a full repertoire of stuff in his bag. So these offensive line need to adjust to his style. It's not a matter of, okay, I'm very talented and I've been a good tackle for three years. So I'm just, my spot is solidified. No, you have to play well with Rodgers yep. too. So all of this is going to play into effect. And, and I'm really excited to see how it plays out. We have tons of versatility across the board. Uh, a new coach in Keith Carter, who's coming over from Tennessee. And I think fan or teams, excuse me, players have kind of clung on to him as opposed to John Benton last season. It seemed like there were some rifts, including Mekhi Becton. So we'll see what Keith Carter can do with these guys. But I think it's going to be the most important position to watch as we get into training camp. So it's the one that's got the most battles. And I think it's the one that's most important to their success in 2023. Absolutely. So with that, we're going to we're going to wrap it up next week. We have the defensive line. We're starting on the defensive roster rankings. We're going from trench to trench. And I think uh, next week's show is going to be just as loaded as this week's. We're going to spend about an hour talking about our defensive line, maybe a little bit longer because of how deep it is and how skilled it is. So I'm really excited for Chris. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Schubert underscore. You can follow me on Twitter at D Terman. You can follow Jet Nation on all social media platforms. Uh, like, comment, subscribe on our YouTube channel. We appreciate it. Uh, go back and watch Glenn's solo shows about Rogers' deal. We did a show earlier today for about 45, 50 minutes, chopping it up about the latest news from camp. And until next time, let's go Jets.